Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. We do wander everywhere, swifter than the moon's fear. And we serve the fairy queen to dew her orbs upon the green. When the days are long and the nights are warm, the world is magically transformed. The Shakespeare Theatre of New Jersey's new production of A Midsummer Night's Dream takes the theme of transformation literally. The fairies transform items most of us casually throw away. Old keys, straws, plastic membership and transit cards, wine corks and CDs, all combine in costumes and sets that evoke a magical world. I spoke to the director and designer of the production, Bonnie Monti. She's also the artistic director of the Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey. Thank you for agreeing to this no, interview thank today. thank you, thank you. I think it's so cool that here we are at midsummer, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. And here we are at this beautiful outside setting for production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Well, this is actually uh, probably the fourth or fifth time that we've done Midsummer. Uh, I think it's the fourth time out here, and it's probably the, the, the fifth or sixth time that we've done it in total in, in my 27 years here. Most Shakespeare theaters tend to do Midsummer probably more frequently than any other play from the Shakespeare canon because it's so popular and because each and every director brings a completely different vision to the, to the production. So you never feel like you're seeing the exact same thing ever. But it's a play that just continues to delight and please people and it's perfect for the outdoor stage. What is it that you're doing differently with this one? This production started to kind of take shape in my mind about three years ago um, when we were approached about doing a production of this play in Jersey City out in Liberty State Park. And that is hopefully something that we will do someday. Uh, that project's been put off because it's going to take us a while to raise funds to, to do that. But um, because I was thinking of a more urban setting, because I was thinking of that great view of Manhattan across the way. So when I was contemplating that environment, I started to think about the fairies as kind of this odd combination between strange little X-Men and fierce environmentalists who would go about gathering up and collecting people's castaways, garbage. Uh, now they all have very particular affinity for particular kinds of garbage, this group of fairies that I've created. But when I started to think about all of the things that we, without thinking about, just throw away constantly, and how if we did reuse things more creatively, we could have an impact on the environment. And so I became, and because this, this particular play and, and this particular venue caters a lot to kids, I thought, well, let me put a whole subliminal environmental message into uh, the production, particularly because there's a very famous speech in this play about that, that really sounds like a description of, of global warming, of climate change. And it's because uh, the king of the fairies and the queen of the fairies are having a big argument, and so the world's balance has gone out of whack. And so winter has become summer, summer's become winter, the land is flooding, I mean, the waters are flooding the land, the crops are rotting, and there was all of the, you know, there's this wonderful description that sounds, unfortunately, like too much of what's going on, you know, nowadays with extreme weather and all of that kind of stuff. And through this distemperature, we see the seasons alter. Hoary-headed frosts fall in the fresh lap of the crimson rose, and on old Hyam's thin and icy crown, an odorous chaplet of sweet summer buds is, as in mockery, set. The spring 
The summer, childling autumn, angry winter change their wanted liveries. And the mazed world by their increase now knows not which is which. I, I kind of focused in uh, during my whole time of thinking about this on about 30 different kinds of garbage. And I ended up really feeling very excited about CDs. Everybody's throwing CDs away now because everybody's doing digital stuff with music and streaming live and all of that kind of technological stuff that I don't do. I mean, I still have my vinyl albums and my cassette tapes and my CDs. Um, but CDs, when you hit them with light, are gorgeous. And so a large portion of the set is made from CDs or is covered in CDs. Um, and Titania's cloak is made of 300, I think it's 260 CDs, something like that. And it's very heavy. So it's been rigged very specially to protect her um, from getting hurt. And there was a little boy in, in the audience, maybe the first or second night. And as Titania walked by him, he flipped out and he saw this in incredible you know, cloak made of CDs. And he kept saying to his mother, Mom, look, wow, wow. He was just blown away by it. And the kids especially are responding to the way that the fairies and the mechanicals are costumed because we use everything from straws, bottle caps, the plastic rings you get on your milk cartons, old pieces of metal, just everything that you can imagine has been, been, has been used. Old laminated metro cards, credit cards, membership cards. Those have become the wings for, for Moth, the fairy. So every fairy has their, their kind of, you know, identity garbage thing, and that helps not just define them, but define how they behave. So that was really fun to put the right garbage together with the right fairy. So is it mostly the fairies who have the sort of recycled costumes? Um, the mechanicals also use a lot. For example, particularly when they do the Pyramus and Thisbe play within the play, at the end of the show, the character of Tom Snout, who, who comes and plays a wall in the show. The, his entire wall is made of dog-eared old playing cards. And we had hundreds of them that people have contributed over the years for props. And so we probably had close to a thousand old playing cards. So the whole wall is bricked in playing cards. Red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. And then the other side is all the number and face cards. And people just love it, you know. So instead of throwing your playing cards out, you can make a collage with them or something. I don't know. <laughs> Put them on your bike. So we just tried to use a lot of things that we had lying around. Um, and one of our endeavors, and you know, kind of on top of all this, was to save money. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough to raise money to run a big classic theater. And so the more we can save and the more we can be creative, the happier we are. The happier, particularly my managing director and my board are. So we saved a ton of money using stuff that was either going to be thrown out by us or by someone and then kind of transforming it into a magical entity as opposed to a piece of garbage. You get a lot of the credit for this particular production and I know that's not always the case but you were not only the director, the artistic director of the whole you company, know, right. company, then the director of this particular production but also the audio designer and the set designer and the costume designer. Have you ever taken on all those roles before? Not all at once. I think in a moment of lunacy I decided to, you know, I think it's because I had such a particular vision for everything and I knew so specifically what I wanted that it didn't make sense to bring in other designers because uh, they, I, I didn't want to stifle what their creative impulses would be. It made more sense to bring in people who could kind of 
function as shop foreman for me and help help me realize my designs as opposed to kind of giving them some basic ideas and letting them run with it. I knew down to like every cork where I wanted things and how I wanted it. So What do you mean cork? There's a lot of corks. There's probably over a thousand corks in the show, um, which are all painted different colors, um, which is quite a job because corks are absorbent and so you had to use a lot of paint. Uh, they're used in a number of creative ways throughout the show. Such as? Um, there's, I don't want to give too much away, but they're used in a lot of the um, arguments that take place on stage as little missiles. I'll use that word. So it, it just because I had such a specific vision for it, it made sense that I, that, and because I can do all of those things, you know, usually I do them one at a time, but I thought, well, I'll kind of pull a weird, you know, all hands on deck with me on this one. And, and it's worked out pretty well. I'm not sure that I would ever do it again. It was exhausting. It was really exhausting. And it kind of consumed me for the last two and a half months. Do you think that the whole notion of using, um, I guess, recycled materials, is that something that, I don't know, is that something that people are looking for? Is that something that they respond to in an, ex in an especially positive way? I feel like there's this sense that everybody wants to do something about the environment, yet people don't know exactly what, what to, to do. do. Yeah, I think it's, there is a growing movement that where people are beginning to get more creative about how can we reuse things as opposed to just, you know, toss them into the ocean or something. Um, you know, there's a there's an incredible website called Etsy, um, which does feature the work of a lot of artists and craftspeople and artisans who specialize in taking everyday objects, newspapers, magazines, paper plates, old plastic spoons, everything you can possibly imagine, and turning it into art and to turning it into clothing. Now, I'm not sure it's stuff that you could actually wear on a daily basis and get away with it because that stuff is pretty fragile, but certainly artists are using old things, you know, garbage more to create beautiful pieces of um, folk art and more prominent renowned artists are using things in their sculptures, paintings, whatever. I think that the general public, the more artists can get out these ideas to the general public, the more the general public will pick up on it and start to say, you know what, if I did this or I saved these, I could do something with this and I wouldn't have to go spend the money and I wouldn't have to chop down a tree or I wouldn't have to, you know, create more stuff. You're making the connection between sort of this whimsical, magical, alternative way of seeing the world with this like ability to see normal, cast off things and see the beauty in them. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're taking all the stuff that's, you know, not worth anything anymore and transforming it into things that are, that not only look beautiful, but um, delight people. And to some extent, perform a fabulous actual practical function. I mean, if, if I was a college kid again, I might wallpaper my wall with CDs. I mean, they're beautiful. You know, that's something I would have done back then. They didn't have CDs when I was in college, but I think that we've got to start doing things like this more in everyday life, or we're gonna just be swallowed in our own garbage. I mean, you know, swallowed up by, yeah. It's drowning us. The Shakespeare Theatre of New Jersey performs A Midsummer Night's Dream at their outdoor stage in Morris Township through July 30th. 
For more information, visit shakespearenj.org. And for more about all of the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Susan Wolner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening. So, good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.